I've seen and heard things on this podcast that you wouldn't believe. Things no photographer should ever experience. It's a fool's errand. Listeners beware. This is not like other podcasts. They say they're photographers, but they're drunk. I've heard it with my own ears. Welcome to the podcast that is guaranteed to improve not only your photography, but your mind, body, and spirit as well. Full of interviews with the top image makers in the industry, where we talk photography, drink whiskey, and fill up the bathtub with high life and PBR. So grab a juice box, a handful of unsalted almonds, and get ready for the show. In this episode, we are joined with Joshua and Ashley Simmons. Guys, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. Day three of WPPI. How are you guys feeling? Feeling pretty good. It's been a great time. Exhausted? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We also have David Parrish here, co-host extraordinaire of the WPPI. He's feeling good. Firing on all cylinders. He's firing on every single cylinder. I got a little sleep, and and here we are. Just a little sleep. I, I slept. I slept. All right, so Joshua and Ashley, you guys have a, a very interesting story. Why don't we start from the beginning? What, where and how you guys met? Then kind of take us into what you guys do in the photography world. Go ahead, Josh. <laughs> so um, Ashley and I met um, while we were in training because we were both in the Army. This was back in 2006. So we met in El Paso, Texas, Fort Bliss. Um, and we uh, this is around August of that year. We started dating shortly after that. Uh, we were married shortly after that, as uh, is actually pretty common during training in the Army for a lot of young soldiers. Um, the only difference is, is that, you know, 14 years later. They're still know, doing it. Here we are. <laughs> um, and um, as far as getting started in photography, that happened about four years ago, uh, four or five years ago when I was because I had transitioned over from being an enlisted member to a warrant officer in the Army. It was you know, just better opportunities for my family. And uh, they were away, because we were in Fort Sill, Oklahoma at the time, and nobody, if they have a choice, wants to spend their summer in Oklahoma. So my wife took our, our sons and uh, traveled back home to Minnesota uh, to spend the summer there while I was just you know in the house, lounging around, thinking of things to do. I started to think of, you know, what can I do? What new hobby can I take up that can get my family out of the house? We can get walking around and photography just kind of jumped out at me. And um, so that's how that's how that started. I, I initially, you know, wasn't doing anything in the studio, wasn't doing portrait work or anything like that. Told my wife actually under no circumstances would I ever do studio work. That's never going to happen. Uh, portraiture. <laughs> Famous last words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> portraiture is something I'll never touch. And um, I, uh, I constantly blame her for the fact of, <laughs> of, of why I do studio work. So, you know, one day I had a, uh, a macro lens on my, on my Fuji X-T2 and a tiny little speed light. And I was going around taking macro shots of everybody's eyes in the household. because I figured, why not? And hers was the first, first shot I took. And once I saw what I could do with a tiny light and a, and a lens... Uh, and how beautiful her eyes were. Uh, I was that was it. I was buying gear probably the very next, <laughs> very next day. Uh, Brownie so, point number one yeah. awarded. <laughs> so you were like, "What are you doing with our money?" The very next day. <laughs> pretty much, yeah, pretty much. 
you know. So I blame her. I said, it's your fault that I've, you know, I've spent all this money on all this gear. You know, if your eyes weren't so beautiful, we wouldn't be here oh. right now. Ooh, in more ways than one. <laughs> right. So, all right. So, Ashley, when did you start getting into it? Was it right away? Was it together or was it later uh, on? <clears throat> I actually have always had sort of somewhat of an interest in photography. But, okay. um, you know, I really started out just assisting him. You know, he had to teach me a lot. As he learned everything first. He kind of passed that on to me. Um, I still assist him in studio whenever he has a shoot. Um, but uh, I, I dabble now. But mostly um, what I do with backdrops is, you know, he came to me and he said, I would really love an Oliphant, but we really just don't have the budget for it right now because he's just starting out. Right. You know, would you mind trying your hand at this and see what you come up with? And I said, sure, why not? So I researched. We did a lot of research about how to properly do it. We didn't want to just make it a DIY thing. Um, and I started painting them and friends um, out in Houston that we had, you know, they saw and they were like, hey, can you paint me some? And so that's kind of how that started, you know. It just snowballed into a business. And, and what is your business now? Fine Art Backdrops. Um, dot com. Dot com. <laughs> um, yeah, so I paint backdrops full time now and we're global. We went global um, last summer. So. so what's the hardest part of painting a backdrop? Like what are the lessons that you learned from like the first 10 you did? Um, oh, boy. And were those throwaways or did you, can you, did you oh, salvage them? Oh, there was them? a lot of mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I learned that you can't paint them dry or you shouldn't paint them dry. Um, you definitely want to wet them down. There was like this whole process that I had to do, uh, figure out through trial and error. Yeah. Um, what does that mean though? Paint, you can't paint them dry. So initially when I had tried to do it, like I had it, I had, um, the canvas not stapled down and just like, not stretched, not yeah. stretched. Um, and so I was trying to paint with a paintbrush just with paint and it, the canvas was dry. So now what I do is I staple, I have a huge platform that I built out of plywood and two by fours, and I cut it to size, staple it down around the perimeter, and then I spray it down with water. Okay. You know, you apply three coats of gesso, and then you continue to work with it wet. What's that, gesso? Gesso is the um, it's acrylic It's like Elmer's primer. glue and water. Oh. Yeah, it's it prepares the canvas. Delicious. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yummy. <laughs> <laughs> smells terrible. Um, it prepares the canvas to receive the paint. It kind of helps. It's like a primer, yeah. if you will. It almost like opens the fibers, and um, when it's dry, it causes the canvas to um, have what's called a tooth, and it's really, really rough. The canvas is really smooth and soft when you staple it down and spray it. Mm -hmm. um, and when it's dry with the gesso, it feels like it's really rough, like sandpaper. So, but yeah, that was a... Yeah, definitely learning that was a huge uh, stepping stone to getting it done right. So Sure. I, I, I painted my own uh, once or twice, and what I quickly discovered is I would rather pay other people to do it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pain in the rear. Like it's, yeah, how long does it take? Like, what's, what's, it's what's like, the investment? Here? I mean, for me, it was at least, I think the first one I did was like 48 hours of, and keeping it wet at various periods and like dry brushing at times. And it was, it's, it's an art. It's an art form. Yeah. And uh, I can't do it. Or have no desire to do it, if you use better words. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's messy. Um, the larger ones that I paint can take anywhere from three days to a week. Sure, um, wow. The smaller ones, yeah, it just depends on what I'm doing. You know, sometimes people want a certain type of texture, and it requires um, really thin layers, layers and layers and layers. So you go back, and you wait for it to dry, and then you do the next layer, wait for that to dry, and continue. So, so. Com compare and contrast 
um, companies that like you can upload your image and get something printed as a backdrop. Like, what are the benefits of printing your own backdrop? Because some people do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of people use these really nice canvases that you guys make. Right. So, what's the difference there for someone who hasn't yet started down that path? You know, um, I know you can get them like printed on microfiber. Is that what you mean, printed? Yeah. Yeah. You can get them printed on microfiber. Those are great for people who are working with little kids, cake smashes, um, anything where maybe liquid or food might come into contact with it. Um, And you can get those in all different styles, but I really think they're... I can look at an image and tell the difference, like whether or not they're shooting on canvas or like a microfiber backdrop. Doesn't have um, that like texture, that tooth right. that you were saying. There's something, there's something special about the texture of a canvas that you can kind of see right away. Um, and I, I don't think, I mean, one's not better than the other. You know, it's just uh, preference and look. I also feel like um, the cool thing about canvas, hand-painted canvases, is you're the only one that has that. Like, it can never be mm-hmm. repeated twice in the exact same way. So that's yours that's yeah. your thing mm-hmm. I, i've had tons of them i think i have like 18 or so that i've had painted for me now uh after my failed projects i realized that look, one thing i know is as a photographer like painting them i saved no money buying all of that stuff myself and then trying to do it it was it cost me just as much right. as it would cost me to purchase sure. and i didn't have to go through the process of man hours and yeah non-ability to paint mm-hmm. but that's what i think about it it's, it it's unique it's unique to you yeah do you guys find yourself when you're using and shooting on these obviously the average person can't have a, a large selection of these so do you guys find yourself changing the tones and colors of the background in post like a lot and it's because really i mean it's just outside of like the textures and mm-hmm. like paint brushes to it it can be an infinite amount of colors. It can. So um, the very first backdrop that Ashley painted for me was a cool gray backdrop. Um, what caught so many people's attention was they would be asking me over six or seven different images, where did you get that particular backdrop? And I would have to tell them, it's the exact same backdrop <laughs> in all seven images. Yeah. But it's the color toning, which when you work with a gray backdrop, which is why if people are talking to me or they're talking to Ashley, one of the first things we recommend to them is that a gray backdrop, a medium gray, would be the first one they go to because when you're color toning, gray takes color beautifully yeah. and you can shift it in myriad of ways. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's I, I love gray backdrops You know, for that. Uh, I think that's the first place that people should start. It's what I love, it's still my go-to because I can do so many things in post with that color uh, depending on what direction you wanna take it. Uh, so yeah, but as far as having that large selection or just needing to start out, you know, I think you know ha- having that gray is is the best way to go. Sure. So do you guys have you ever considered, or is it even possible to start with some sort of like, let's say you're you capture a, a like a texture or a background you really love it, can you print it and then paint on top of it to give it that look so it's like kind of the exact look and feel that you want or is that just crazy? That's just I crazy. have never done that. I don't know if I would. <laughs> I just know nothing about the process of printing backdrops, so I'm or uh, painting backdrops, canvases. I'm like, incredibly curious on. So everything how long I do is all just hand painting. Sometimes, um, and I use a whole bunch of different techniques to achieve different looks. You know, not everything is literally with a paintbrush in hand. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'm using a variety of sprayers and different tips, um, watering cans. Okay. To you know, I don't know if. Um, 
Josh, you've seen some of the BTS photos where the paint looks like flowers or it's like, you know, it just looks or it's marbled. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that would be a situation okay. where I've poured paint into watering cans like that you get at Walmart. And um, just in in a variety of ways, depending on how you apply it is how you get like different looks. Yeah. Um, and then you go back and you blend it and blend it and then continue doing that. And that's another situation like adding layers that would take days and days. Right. Because you're, you're applying a lot of paint, waiting for it to soak up. You got to blend it, spray water. I mean, and then go back and do it again until you achieve that texture that you're looking for. And, so then, then, and then what was the idea behind the the gold fleck backgrounds because like so to my to my knowledge you guys are the only ones who have done that what's i haven't that? seen what, anybody what's else gold do it fleck? oh man it's it's amazing it's like they took all this like gold leafing and they put it on a backdrop so that actually was inspired by an oliphant oh, really? um, that i saw at portrait masters and i was like oh that would be um or i had an idea for it for a shoot so i just created one to see because um, it's it's not as simple as it looks. It's a totally different process to apply those, and you need like almost a thousand of them, a thousand sheets of gold leaf for a five by seven. So it's like days and days of very carefully applying <laughs> the gold leaf. Um, oh yeah. But yeah. So Emily Teague ended up using that backdrop for some of her photos that she right. created for Capture One. Um, and yeah, I remember when you guys dropped it on Facebook. I was just like, my God. Yeah, I we had a that. lot of That's interest. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's they awesome. take a long time to make. <laughs> so what do those what do those go for? What's the price range of your um, backdrops? A six by nine, which is the most common size I sell, is five hundred bucks for the twenty four k. A regular six by nine is three seventy five. It seems very reasonably priced from how wildly expensive these things can get. I think so. E yes, and uh, we had we had conversations about that uh, as she as she was starting, um, because I I've always you know felt that her prices are very low, uh, because of the amount of time and effort and uh, the knowledge that she's had to gain right. um, on her own because there are no workshops or tutorials for this. She's just had to experiment and throw away and experiment and throw away and then finally strike gold with a lot of what she so knows. Literally, yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so the uh, the amount of effort that, that she puts into it and the dedication and passion that she has um, and while I'm away overseas and she's still taking care of our four boys she's running a household that doesn't belong to her because it belongs to her grandmother and she's taking care of her grandmother she's doing all of these things and putting out these backdrops so I'm like yeah your your time is a lot more valuable than what these prices are are showing but uh, she she wanted to you know be able to provide something to to photographers that is affordable is is reasonable that they can get started you know with beautiful hand painted custom made backdrops so my hats off to her she amazes me so as, as as someone who lives abroad and you have you're still in the army yes, what does your day to day look like when do you have time for photography and you know since you are stationed abroad how is that working in a different culture so uh, being stationed abroad I don't I don't really have a lot of time to do studio work. If I want to do any type of work with my camera, it's going to be just me walking out and about on the town, uh, just snapping images, like you know, if it were, say, street photography or anything like that. But studio work uh, becomes difficult um, if for no other reason I don't have the time to go looking for models. I don't, right. you know, I can't go, you know, searching for a hair and makeup artist, things like that. Uh, and then as far as that, talking to my coworkers, 
you know, about 99% of the people that I work with, I outrank them. So I can't just be like, hey, you want to come to my room and oh, do this photo yeah. shoot? You know, this is kind of yeah, yeah. awkward. Yeah. Um, and so... <laughs> no, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> no quid pro quo. No, no quid pro quo. <laughs> you know? And so um, when it comes to, you know, me doing studio work, it's, it's, uh, it's budgeted around me when I take leave and I come home for, you know, two weeks or a month maybe and... You know, Ashley and I can set up, you know, some photo shoots at home or if I'm here at something like WPPI and we can kind of, you know, make something happen. But when I'm away, it's usually my time to just I'm not going to be working, which is why my website, I shut it down because there was no point in me having it up. Uh, yeah, I was trying to find that before yeah. you came up here and I was like, where the hell is this fucking yeah. website? Yeah, I shut that everywhere. I, yeah, I shut it down. <laughs> so really, the only way to see any work that I may produce is on my Instagram um, and my latest work you won't see on Facebook because Facebook would end up deleting it. But that's um, naked. Nakeds? Yeah, a little naked. A little naked. Um, and so, yeah, that's a. Uh, and then I'm going to be overseas again. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll come home for a little bit and then I'm off to another overseas location for another 12 months. So it'll be about a two year stretch where I won't be producing much work. Man, so the naked, you. let's talk about the naked photography because. Well, yeah, that, let's talk about that. No, because so many people are using that just to. You know, for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. That's why they're doing it. Well, and, and it I, gets a bad rap. So how do you? Well, I want to talk about. I want to talk about how they came into it because I'm I'm familiar with them. I've been following them for a long time, and I think they did something that's unique that we should talk about too. Because their first naked subjects were themselves, and oh and I think that that was a kind of a profound thing. I I, I mean, Josh was literally like bearing it all and throwing it all over the internet, like everywhere. Airware, airware, airware. Like it was like, crazy. Are we talking full frontal? Just no, like I mean, like nothing's, nothing's like, you know, it's we, not we don't have, we don't have Franks and weenies or yeah. anything in okay. it. But, yeah, um, Franks and Franks and beans. Yeah, Franks and weenies would be two weenies. <laughs> we don't want to talk about where Josh is at. Why do you think Ashley smiles all the time? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I think, a moment of. Uh, you know, looking back, reflecting on it, and then Josh and I talk a lot. So, um, I mean, it's just profound vulnerability, number one. And I think it's pretty, um, you know, I, don't, I would never mm -hmm. in a thousand years, nobody wants to see any of this. I would not do I it. I would do it. I wouldn't. That's where you are I wrong, I, sir. I, I well, I just, I, I just, that. I just, I would not, I, I just, I would never be comfortable with it. Not because I think nudity is wrong or anything, but like, I just, mm -hmm. but, and, but I mean, the way that, he sculpted his personal images and then eventually was even shooting Ashley. And they had, I mean, they were um, in online forums. And of mm -hmm. course, you guys can jump in on this, uh, well, like actually, really talking about it a lot. The one of me that showed up in a couple of groups, I did that myself. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do dabble in photography. I send everything off to be retouched. Like, I don't deal with it. But, you know, I do, um, other than that, I do everything else myself. And, so that was, yeah, yeah. Um, the first, so really the, I guess the first time we ever did anything that was nudity based would have been in some of my maternity work. And initially that's all, that's where I just wanted it to stay. Um, but more and more, but when I started doing those self portraits, the reason why I did that, and I love the fact that you touched on that, that vulnerability is because a lot of the people going forward, anybody that I work with, 
that's what's going to be on their mind is, you know, here I am and I'm just exposed. in front of a camera exposed. I don't know if I can do that. And it was my way of being able to prepare them and show them and say, hey, I know exactly how you feel. Right. Like I've, I've done this and I've put it out to people. So I, so the I whole world. to the whole world. So I know how vulnerable you're going to feel right now. And it's to help set them at ease that this can be done. You know, it's um, and to show them that. You know, this isn't anything explicit or illicit for that matter. It is to show in the, the sculpting and the beauty of the human form. Like, that's that's what I'm after. Yeah. So you mentioned maternity. When do you have time to do that? Is it just when you're on They break? have four boys. Did we miss that part? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't like your jokes today, <laughs> David. Sorry. <laughs> so, um... Uh, the first time I got into maternity was before I was overseas. We were we were living in Texas, and um, uh, I took leave specifically for you know a nice little maternity marathon, as I like to call it, which was to build my portfolio. And so, you know, a couple of months in advance, we put out uh, really a, a message to our local friends in the area um, who were pregnant or knew of anybody who was pregnant and who would be around, you know, a certain period, say 24 to 30 weeks, and, you know, who would be willing to, you know, be photographed, who would love to come by. And uh, before we set anything up, they would come by, and uh, we would talk over, have a nice little sit down. This is what to expect. This is what we're after. Um, prepare everything, plan everything for them, let them know that they have nothing to worry about. The hair and makeup is on us. My wife is a licensed cosmetologist. So, oh, cool. Oh, that, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. You just scored in I this really entire did. thing. I, I really did. So Basically. I, I married above my station. I'll let people know that above uh. all the time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so she not only does so really she, we know where all the talent resides right over you there. Just push a button right, right. over there. Yeah. I, t I try to tell people all the time. People don't they don't listen, <laughs> but um, yeah. So she comes in, she does their their hair and makeup, and then once that's done, she's also you know my lighting assistant. All, any in all wardrobe, she's the one who's picked it out, taking care of it. So again, I'm just clicking the shutter. Check, if check. people don't people don't know, um, but yeah, that's how we got into into maternity. Uh, I initially didn't want to touch maternity but um because it all looked the same to me sure but uh there was two photographers in particular who they made it look to me like this is something that could be an art form yeah um lola milani donatella nicolini so those two right there and then i just decided to go for it you know i love i love that look i know and again for me it's it's about what i can provide somebody you know when they're in front of the camera and most women especially when they're pregnant have this idea of themselves uh, where they're just, I'm not attractive, I don't look good, I'm at the, I'm, I look the worst I've ever looked in my life because I'm, you know, I'm getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But you know, that's a time in a person's life that you can never get back in maternity. So there's a beauty there that only belongs in maternity. And so that's another goal I try to show women in this time is that you have a beauty that you can never recapture. So let's Let's capture it. Let's print it. Let's let's yeah. create these portraits for you. Yeah, I mean, you're literally 3D printing humans right now. So like that's pretty. It's <laughs> pretty amazing thing in itself. You know? Yeah. So how much harder do you think it is to be a male maternity photographer to like build that relationship when your subject is so vulnerable? And from what I see, the majority of the industry, and I could be completely wrong, yeah, is no. are female photographers. So it hey. seems like it'd be a l the trust level there is. Mm -hmm. I just feel like you can't get that with a male. So like, how do you, how do you make that work? Um, so a lot of it is, um, one, it helped to build my portfolio. Yeah. It helped to have that to be able to show women, this is what I'm going to, I can provide for you. Um, 
sitting down and talking with them and having my wife there, because my wife is with me all the time, and also letting them know that when you're in the studio, you're not alone. My wife is going to be there yeah. every step of the way. So this is never going to be just you and I. Um, so uh, just to give them that sure, that yeah, bit of ease. Okay. Um, and then sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes they're just not going to be comfortable, and you know you got to be okay with that, and just say, okay, that's perfectly fine. And I'll recommend them to someone I know, you know, that they might be a little more comfortable with because um, I want them to get great pictures. But um, you know, it's it's not it hasn't been as challenging as I thought it would be uh, thus far. But that's only because probably because my uh, the volume of work is still low. I don't I haven't been out there doing much, but um, thus far it hasn't been too difficult. Uh, we've been able to work with people we know, so that's been that that's been beneficial. Um, but uh, yeah, just having her there really yeah. helps more than anything else. So is the goal to hit the ground running when you're done with the army and go full on into this? Absolutely. Are you like how excited? I'm like, chopping at the bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm chopping at the bit. So how much longer do you have before you you can make that? I have reality? I have six years. Six okay. Six more years until I, until I retire, and um, and so right now actually we are. Ashley and I are planning now, you know, for that time because those six years are going to go by fast. So fast. That's you know? that's a unique position to be in because most people have a job, but there's no foreseeable end to that job. Right. They're like, or they can choose can to I leave whatever they want to leave. Yeah, leave, <laughs> and then can I make this work? But you've got six years. You already have a great body of work, so you've got yeah, six I mean, like, years to like perfect I mean, your business. Right. And that's that's the funny yeah. thing. I think with like even like I mean Josh has been all over like the internet like uh alien skin uh their plug-in the software guys they they took his images and basically used them as marketing material and emailed them to the whole world uh you know and they, he's got four years under his belt right now right yeah. ish with massive interruptions in time so just think about six years from yeah. now i don't know much about alien skin it's uh it's like more Stop of a color it. coloring sell me software on it. sell me on it well i mean is it, so is it in photoshop is it in it's a, pl it's a plug-in it's that a plug you can in, add right. in. um yeah. but what it does i mean it does let's be clear a lot of things like you can use it uh mm -hmm. to sharpen you mm -hmm. can use it to i mean you can edit your, you, you can edit flaws and everything in it um most people that i know and and most people who have uh i think sue bryce kind of blew it up because yeah. she uses it but it has uh, tons of formulas built into it um, that you can tweak. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of see like, hey, this is what the software says is gonna happen, and you can tweak all the settings to change it to what you want. And then when you do, it creates a new recipe that's uniquely yours. Right. Um, so I know a lot of people use it primarily for color grading. Absolutely. Um, it's a, it is a plugin, it, it, it only recently like I think within the last couple of years became its own standalone program, okay. uh, much in the same way um, it operates a lot the way Lightroom does. Okay. You can do a lot of things that you can do in Lightroom. You can do an alien skin. Um, I only use it uh, as a you know as its plugin in Photoshop because it's my color grading, color toning, uh, either that or the infinite color panel that you know Pratik was so kind to uh, create. Um, one of those two is going to be part of my recipes when it comes to my color toning, but that's what I use Alien Skin for. I love the uh, I love the film presets that they create. Their grain engine is flawless. I think it's a, one of the I think it's the best one out there. Um, yeah. So, but Alien Skin, it's it's phenomenal. I love using it. Um, I'll continue to use it uh, and just you know put my own little spin on everything that, that we do. Sure. Let's talk about the actual gear that mm -hmm. you use. What's your camera setup? What 
lights do you use? What are you, uh, what are you mm. lugging around with you? So now, uh, again, by the wonderful uh, grace and encouragement of my wife, I'm shooting with the uh, Fujifilm's GFX 50R. Uh, prior to that, it was the X-T2, so I was on a crop sensor camera. Um, and with the GFX, I'm using a 120-millimeter F4 macro. Uh, that was my first lens that I bought because, you know, Ashley's studio where we were shooting, it was large enough where I had the room, I had the room to use it. Um, and now I have, I just recently bought the 50-millimeter F3.5. My lighting system, I use Flashpoint, you know, slash Godox gear. Um, all of it, none of it is wireless. I, I love using wired strobes because I love using my modeling lights and not having to worry about if my battery is going to go out. Uh, and then all cheetah stand modifiers. I love cheetah stand based out in Dallas, Texas. So uh, I get all my lighting gear uh, from them. Uh, and I love using a mix of, you know, soft light, hard light, um, and just, uh, yeah, primarily a lot of one light or two light setups is, is usually my go-to. So, uh, so other than your camera, you've actually kind of done this on, on I'll air quote, the cheap. I mean, it's not cheap, but it is definitely a, a less expensive route. Mm -hmm. But you're producing quality work with what a lot of people would consider mm -hmm. the, the cheap gear. Right. So I find that, I mean, that's pretty amazing, interesting. And if any of those sponsors are listening, Josh is available. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I, no, I appreciate that. Um, my, you know, my, my wife is, uh, you know, she's very, she's very good, one, about keeping me, you know, grounded and not trying to jump out there and, you know, saying, you know, you need the, the latest and greatest or the most expensive, you know, item and, uh, and having her. Because if she wasn't, you know, with me, I would blow through just about all my money trying to find the, you know, the hottest item. And so um, she's there to kind of tether me back to the earth and say, okay, why don't we work with this, this, and this? And, you know, you just, you know, push yourself to, you know, make something and make something beautiful with it. And, and at the end of the day, light is light. It's, you know, you're going you're gonna to look at an image and not be, oh, that's a pro photo light or, oh, that's that light. And you're not going to be able to yeah. tell, you know, light is light. And if you know how to create it, craft it, bend it, shape it, you, you know, you're in the game. So if you could design your own light, though, that had features, what would it, what would it look like? Like, oh, that's a good question. I've, I've not, never thought about that. I think it's funny. I posted this in the group the other day. Like, Designing describe your, your perfect camera. Anything goes, and the, mm. the the answers were so different. Everyone was just so different. Well, but I mean, think about it. You're you're basically like building like it's kind of like building a house. You know, like you're, you're going to go after yeah. your needs, and, mm -hmm. and everybody that shoots different things are going to be wanting. Yeah. Like my, I started to write an answer on that, and then just realized that it was getting ridiculously long I, I, and same I was as just me. like I was, I was like, like I'm gonna be like, here for uh, four hours doing this. right like I, I, so I was starting to get into like menu options yeah. and like how navigatable it would be and like <laughs> who do you think whether or not I could do it from menu. my phone specifically at Sony what's going I on I have no <laughs> idea I can't wrap my head around after that the amount of feedback system. that they've gotten like I don't oh I don't know like I but I in Sony's defense, all the people who have adapted and learned the Sony menu, I guess that's second nature to them right. now. But yeah. right. Do we I, really need that many options in that Sony menu? Man. I, I use like three things back there, yeah. Yeah. and I can never find them. See, and that's and that's why I love you know Fuji is I rarely spend much time in the menu because everything I need to do is right on the camera. Yeah. You know my my aperture, my shutter speed, right. all of it's right there on the camera. I don't really mess around with yeah. uh, the menus too much. 
Uh, now, again, in Sony's defense, if you're shooting with a camera, they pretty much design your sensor. So you got to give Sony some love right. somewhere. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. They make, I, I have a Nikon, and yeah. my Sony's it's basically my made, yeah. made yeah. it. But love that camera. The two, the two uh, command wheels are, you know, like, like you. I, I did some color adjustments mm -hmm. and some stuff in the menu, and then other than formatting my card, I'm or turning on the wireless setting so I can beam I, it to yeah. my iPad, I never really go into like the menu again. Yeah. Everything else is on top. All right, so... Ashley, help. want to talk about the military for a little bit, since all three of you have been or are in the military. And is that where you guys met? You guys all meet, or was it after? No, it was just um, a coincidence. I think I. Th well, I mean, Ashley and I are, aren't even connected on social media. I'm just connected through Josh. Oh, okay. Um, I've obviously seen interactions, but mostly through Josh. Uh, I, I have a feeling that's going to change shortly. Um, but I, I don't even know how we were introduced. I have no idea anymore. Um. Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, of course, I follow a lot of people and kind of track their career for pro edu and what we do sure, and yeah, kind yeah. of looking at people that I would suggest. So um, that it could have been from that. But uh, right. I think we've started like side conversations mm -hmm. and DMs. I'm sliding into his DMs all the time. <laughs> all I'll help you know about oh, that. That was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, right. you know, the military connection, there's, there's, a hundred percent you could go to any town in america and mm -hmm. you run across yeah. another veteran and we're already yeah, we're already right tight yeah. well, well first and foremost thank you all three of you for serving mad respect thank um, you for paying your taxes yeah <laughs> <laughs> actually how long have you been out of the military and what did, can you talk about what you did while you were there what was I've that been experience out like for um 12 years josh been out 12 years almost 12 years. almost 12 years yeah yeah um yeah, we, you know, we found ourselves in a unique, well, maybe not unique, but in a situation where my unit was uh, was scheduled to go to South Korea for a year, and I was at the tail end of uh, the pregnancy with our okay. first child, and his unit was scheduled to take over for my unit. Wow. When, right. So we would have been apart two years. I would have had to find somebody, um, or he would have been left raising a newborn by himself in oh, a wow. city where we really didn't know anyone. Um, so I decided to go ahead and get out and uh, be a stay-at-home mom for the time being. And Josh continued on in his career. Um, but yeah, that was a tough decision for us to make. But we don't regret it, do we? No, no. Not, not, not at all. Um, do we? <laughs> 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 all right, so what's harder, the military or raising kids? Raising kids. Raising <laughs> kids. <laughs> totally yeah. honest, raising, raising kids. kids. Yeah. Being at home is yeah. definitely hard. I would literally go back to any <laughs> level of command leadership in the army, any level. Okay. I only have two children. You could give me an entire division worth of, of Joes yeah. and it's, I don't care how bad they screw up. It's going yeah. to be easier than, Absolutely. than this. All right. So Josh, can you talk about what you do there in the military now? So, um, I am a warrant officer in the army's air and missile defense, and I particularly handle the logistics and the maintenance to, uh, to, you know, to maintain our, our equipment. My job primarily as a warrant officer is to advise and assist, you know, my commander on how to properly uh, employ and maintain his equipment. Like that's, that's it, is to keep him out of trouble. What's your uniform look like? What are you wearing every day? Is it the same thing? Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's nothing, nothing special. You know, what you would see, you know, most, uh, you know, army soldiers wearing, like that's, that's what I'm wearing. Um, and again, having a little leeway, you know, as a warrant officer, you know, I kind of, I'm not wearing a lot of the same things that are that are you know required of me. You know, if people are walking around with 
you know, their headgear on. I usually just don't have mine on and just kind of rebels, invo- you know, kind of invoke the fact that I'm a warrant officer and nobody's going to really Wait, say Wait, what's anything. headgear? Your hat. Your hat. You just hat. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so the, the secret of the military is the warrant officer is kind of like the, they're technical advisors, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what they do. And uh, coming from the enlisted side, uh, I can tell you, like, it's, it, I mean, they all came from the enlisted side mm-hmm. too. You you can't become a warrant officer without having been enlisted at some point. But you basically become a technical expert, and then you apply to the army to mm-hmm. go into this rank. And it's funny because it, with very few exceptions, a warrant officer is never going to command a unit. They're really not going to be in charge of anybody, and nobody's really in charge of them. Thank like God. even really? though they, yeah, I mean, they have commanders, like yeah. he said, and he advises his commander, but. The culture of the army is basically like there's these little ghosts that tell Just you stuff around. and like mm-hmm. they write manuals and they give technical advice and that's what they do. But they're they're uh, it's like it's like Adobe tech support. Like they're, <laughs> they're just like, there. Uh, mythical creatures that show up if you brew some coffee. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So it's like, way to get me to show up. Are you ironing like all the time? Just like making sure it's perfect. Like. Whew. Or is it like uniforms? sometimes wrinkled? Is oh. it sometimes wrinkled? Oh, no. 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 Nobody's no. uniform is ironed anymore. No. It's not ironed? No. no. How does it get so like, you know, pressed and nice? Nobody's, so it, yeah, nobody does nobody's it. anymore. You know, nobody does yeah, it? Yeah, that's not your. No one. Okay. So that's back when I joined the army, it's not back a thing probably. you're going to do laps for. No. Like, no. Give, give me 10. No. no. And because the, mater- the material that we're using, even for these uniforms, wouldn't even allow for that. It's, oh, uh, it doesn't It has like flame retardant properties and other stuff in it now that. It's not advised that you yeah, iron yeah. them anymore. How, how neat is the mess locker? Is it you guys call it that? Is it the mess locker? Know, you're no. talking about the chow hall where we eat? No, just like the locker that you guys like the foot of your bed, like you know, with the lock. Oh, that no, yeah. is that I still a thing? Haven't had one since basic training. <laughs> yeah, really. All right, so that's uh, just yeah. a basic training yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, all right. And uh, I haven't uh, lived in the barracks since 2007. Yeah. Yeah, because eventually, you know, we got married and then I've been out. I feel really old right now. So what's housing look like? You're on a base, right? Somewhere? Sometimes. You know, actually the first time, you know, when we were living in El Paso, we weren't on base. We were living off post. But now, you know, if we are, you know, in the States together, we do tend to lean, you know, lean in that direction to live on post. You know, my only reason for doing it is because to live off post, you're either going to buy a house or you're going to rent from someone. And I've never wanted us to buy a house because we didn't know where we were going to settle down. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to rent because, quite frankly, I'm not trying to pay somebody else's mortgage. Yeah. And so, you know, we tend to just stay on post. And uh, it's a duplex system. And so, you know, you got those people who are right next to you on the other side of your wall. And um, it, it, it has its ups. It has its downs, just, yeah. like, just like anything else. Um, and a lot of it is, is what you make of it. And it varies from installation to installation, too. Some installations have really, really nice housing, mm-hmm. and others of them are like, mm. Mm. yeah. Wow. But so. either way, I mean, living off po- or living on post definitely has advantages over off mm-hmm. post. I mean, you know, you're oftentimes upended and just sent somewhere um, with a really short time frame to find housing. And so the benefit to living on post is... Their system that they have set up allows for you to come and go quickly within um, within whatever time frame you've been given. Sorry. <clears throat> and um, so you're able to contact housing and say, hey, we're going to be there on such and such date, which is usually like two weeks away. Um, and then they'll be like, okay, we have you on the list. We'll assign you a house. You know, you get there, you walk through it. Yep, this works for us. Call the movers. They bring everything. Or if you've moved yourself, you know, you go ahead and move in. 
um, when it's time to go, give them a 30 day notice. You know, sometimes when you rent off posts, that can really get nice. a little. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's intentional because yeah. renting off posts can get a little, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Foreign country, that's. Yeah. Right. Well, a lot of times in the foreign countries, it's even different. Like a lot of times, depending on your rank, it's mandatory that you live on the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's basically vendors that are approved through housing and. It's like, depending on, again, where you are, there's some places where, like, you don't even touch the money. The money, the army just says here, yep. and they are paying this thing, oh, and, right like, around, you yeah. don't really touch it. And that sounds great. Wow. Like, it has. It's, a, I mean, again, yeah. ups and downs. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. there, there's definitely, uh, again, depending on rank and how mm-hmm. much money you're allocated for housing, there's, you know, some less than comfortable situations. Yeah. And Yeah, yeah we've actually never, we've never lived overseas as a family. Anytime I'm overseas, I'm overseas on my own. And uh, now I, you know, I try to do, I'm trying to do everything that I can to ensure we don't live overseas because of what it would do for, to do to her business. And so I, I don't want that to happen uh, as actually an option that was presented to me recently. And I had to turn it, I wanted, I had to turn it down, which I was happy to turn it down because uh, again, you know, where, where she's at in her business and uh, everything she's had to sacrifice just for me, like I'm, I'm not trying to ask her to sacrifice what she's building right now. How big of a pain in the ass is it shipping to other countries? Like something that <coughs> big? Is it in a like huge long tube or does it fold it up? No, um, they can't be folded. Yeah. So I roll them on PVC and ship them in. If I if they're going overseas, I use um, really heavy duty commercial containers. Um, if it's just in, within the U.S. Canada, um, they're in telescoping boxes that I order in bulk. Um, shipping to Canada is not a problem. You know, use a a harmonized tariff code and. They just pay, the receiver pays the taxes and duties on it. Um, but shipping to, like, when I shipped to Belgium last summer, um, that was kind of, each country has, like, all their own tariff codes. And so you have to go into UPS or FedEx and figure out which one it is, and you have to be really specific because if you're not, if you don't have that perfect, um, it won't clear customs. It'll get sent back to you. You have to pay for that. It's really expensive. Ooh. So. Yeah, it's it's been a little bit of a challenge trying to find affordable shipping options to ship glo- you know, globally, but so far I've just used UPS and they kind of they do what they can to make it easier for you to understand like what the process is, but you definitely have to be on your A game and make sure it's all perfect. And I'm sure that stuff is constantly changing. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. we hear yeah. about tariffs in the news all the time, mm-hmm. so I right. feel like that would be something that's changing a lot and right. we're trying to figure out. Yeah, they have customs people that you can call um, if you're not sure, but I mean, the codes are just crazy and they have so many for different types of photography equipment. Like if you're shipping paper for printing, mm-hmm. um, if you're shipping canvases, um, film, all kinds of stuff, even like white seamless paper, or just like paper in general, um, or seamless paper, that has its own tariff code. Wow, jeez. Yeah. So Thought being a photographer that, was that hard. That is not my job. <laughs> right. No. I, I would not be good at that. That was mm-hmm. a lot of research. It's a good thing we can uh, distribute digitally, uh, right? Right? Uh, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. All right, so where can people go to find these backdrops? And if you had to tell someone who doesn't currently own one, like, what's the first one? I think you kind of touched on this. Right. But, like, what's the first one people should invest in? Okay, so first you can find us at fineartbackdrops.com. No spaces or anything. Um you know, the first one, if you're looking to invest in one, I'd say, you know, definitely a medium gray or a cool gray. Um, those have huge advantages if you use color grading or want to use color grading in your work because you can get a lot of mileage out of those specific um, backdrops simply because you can change the color so easily. Um, 
Yeah, I would definitely say a six by nine is typically a really good size for most people's studios. Um, I've seen a lot of people um, thinking that they need this huge backdrop, like a 10 by 20. And, you know, when we have a consultation, um, I do call people or email, you know, kind of go over what, you know, what do you typically do? Or sometimes I research them on social media, go check out their work and see what they typically do um, so I can make recommendations for them. But a lot of people think they need these huge, like, 10 by 20s, and they just don't. Oftentimes their needs are like a six by nine, even a five by seven. Those are so hard to store and such a pain in the ass, mm -hmm. the huge ones. Mm -hmm. like you need yeah. a team of Absolutely. people to buy that. I think a lot of people don't realize that um, because there's companies overseas that will sell you like the printed backdrops or um, I, I'm really not even sure what they are like from Kate Backdrop. Um, but they, they'll sell you like really big ones and they fold them and ship them that way, but these canvases can't be, yeah, right. you know. You'll never get the creases out and it'll probably ruin the paint. But yeah, I think those smaller sizes are really good for most people. I have some huge ones. I have yeah. some really like, I mean, and, and there are advantages obviously mm -hmm. to having a big yeah. one. Like if you try and shoot, you have to do a group or something. Yes. Or you're yeah. trying to do a big set. Exactly. Like you need, but you also need the space to mm -hmm. put yeah. it up. Um, I've I've wrapped most of mine on, on dowel rods, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. like with furniture tacks, because mm -hmm. then I can just use a super clamp and I only need one stand to hold the whole right. thing. So I'll just put it central and, uh, but I have like both in my studio and, and at my house, I have these like big garage hooks that are mm -hmm. like designed to hang bikes and stuff. And then there's like four of them, um, backdrops just stacked right. in the air. Well, I always tell but people like if you need, if you need a backdrop that size, um, you can always flip it horizontally and hang it 12 feet wide by like eight feet long. Damn it. Now she tells me. <laughs> <laughs> well, people, it, that just doesn't occur to people to do that. And you can tape these up on the wall with gaff. I mean, that's not going to hurt the paint. Right. Just don't use duct tape. Please. But, yeah, please don't use duct tape on your backdrops. Um, but yeah, you can hang that horizontally like for the extra width if you're shooting a really big group. I just had somebody in Canada order two 8x12s, and she was going to do that. Because um, she had originally said, can you paint me a 12 by 20 And I said, the shipping. You it's can't, ridiculous. You yeah. can't ship backdrop. You cannot ship. You need a commercial shipping license or something, and I just don't have that. Um, Plus, shipping that into Canada would have probably been problematic. But um, she said, I told her, you know, if you order two 8x12s, that would be sufficient for this huge shot. And then just flip one, you know, 8 by 12 or hang it 12 by 8 and then do the other one on the floor. So you have that consistency. Yeah. And, um, but that, that hurts my feelings all the time when I have to lay a backdrop on yeah, the floor and have somebody stand on it. I'm all the time like, it's like a flag. Yeah. Yeah, can't touch the, the ones that I usually painted are the ones that go on the floor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so she's, uh, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, she'll paint sets, you know, whether or not somebody's going to use them as a corner set yeah. setup, or sometimes it is going to be, you know, for that top and then that bottom, that, that floor, a floor drop as it were. And so, I think that would be the only way I'd be able to stomach it if it were something I were using is like, okay, I'm going to designate this one as my floor drop and that's right. all it's ever going to get used for. Cause if I don't, yeah. yeah some, some, some of the older ones, like when they've been rolled a lot and mm -hmm. they starting to crack and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, I mean the company that I usually get mine from, uh, they've changed their formula from when I purchased my first ones. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, some of them are damaged now, which works really good for mm -hmm. a floor. And I feel, I feel okay with that. Yeah. I, if so I was ordering an art piece from Ashley, I'd be like, uh -huh. yeah, I can't put that on the can't floor. Do it. Can't do so that. the floor drops, like when I do sets and I tell people they can either create a corner with that smaller one or they can throw it on the floor. 
but generally the one that um, I put on the floor, I do an ex a couple of extra coats of clear coat. I put an acrylic um, clear coat over the paint. So if I know they're gonna use it as a floor drop, which is something we talk about in the consultation, um, I just make sure to do an, a couple extra coats of that clear coat to kind of help protect against, you know, people walking on it with high heels yeah. or maybe a stool has been, you know, people Drug. sometimes move yeah. stools and don't intend to scratch, but yeah, that's some that has seemed to work really well so far. I haven't had anyone have issues, so. I'm amazed when you're sitting here talking about uh, consultations and talking about looking at people's work and I, I looking and trying to identify slash customize, like that's gotta be time consuming with four kids taking care of a grandma. Like that's like, uh, pretty amazing. It's um, Josh has given you props with it, it good helps, measure. It, right it now. helps. It helps when you're an amazing woman, and that's what mm -hmm. she is, dude. That's that's what she. I is. hope you're gonna go buy her something really <laughs> nice Man, after like, this. She, you know, she or can have everything she wants for me at this point. But brown um, chicken, brown cow. I'm saying though, <laughs> you know, but uh, I'm only here for a few more days. That's it, you know, and then I'm back on a plane. No, but um, no, she, uh, you know, she absolutely amazes me. She's been doing this again for over a decade when because she's had to do this alone quite a bit you know i've been i've been overseas multiple times and right. she's had to you know she's had to take care of everybody around her but that just comes naturally to her you know she's it's just part of her nature to, to you know to take care of people and to find ways to take care of you up to and including if you're going to buy something from from her and you're saying hey i want to i want to you know spend the money for an 8 by 15 but she's looking at your work and saying you know honestly i don't think you need that i think you would be best served with this 6 by 9 like turning but, down money you know, all over the place and so you know just so that but it you know also to take care of people to build that goodwill yeah. to know that hey if i'm working with her she's not just looking to take my money she's actually looking to collaborate with me and create something with me and for me uh, and that's just something that again it's just her nature it just comes natural to her so and then to do that take care of our, our, our sons uh, who are a terror because they are, you know, exact <laughs> copies of me. So she's, you know, she has to live with that on a constant basis. They so. seem pretty nice and organized and, you know, oh put together. I, there are know, four copies of you. They seem probably I mean, pretty chill kids. <laughs> we're, we're talking on the air right now. You right. can only do so much. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and, you know, again, you know, you put put that public face on, you know, that social media face, but then there's the behind the scenes that yeah. she has to see every you day. You didn't seem dancing naked in the corner last night at the party, <laughs> I guess. I was hoping we were going to keep that, that Oh, my bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, we well, put that... It's out there now. It's out there, We'll, we'll edit it out. All right. No. But, no, yeah, she's... That really didn't happen. Never mind. <laughs> she's, she's phenomenal. She is just... I hope our listeners yeah. pay attention. Yeah. If they learn nothing else from this tutorial, you have learned how to talk about your significant <laughs> other. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciated the time to kind of get to know you a little bit more, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank uh, you. Thank find you our backdrops.com. Go get a backdrop. Please. You guys. Absolutely. Mad well, respect and, to you guys. And, and what about again. your other social media platforms? You guys are on Instagram? Yeah. Instagram and Facebook really is where we're yeah. at. And then right what now. about you for your work? So my work um, can, found, can be found in two places. If you find me on Instagram, it's just Joshua D. Simmons. Uh, and then my other one is Fine Art Boudoir with an underscore in between each each word but you'll see me if you pull it up fine art boudoir you'll see my face but but yeah those are the two places in which i i, I operate right now all right. nice look forward to watching you guys grow more thank yeah. you Thanks. thank you very much all right we'll see you guys soon okay to become a working pro you need experience how do you build experience without working knowledge without a network of people in the know 
without other pros telling you good enough is not good enough. At ProEDU, we bring you the top working professionals to share their secrets of success in the most demanding of markets and push you to become the thriving working pro you want to be. To help you find your own creative voice, it's not just about the fundamentals. It's not just about a process. You have to go all in. Pro EDU. Watch. Learn. Create.